This week's amazing race recap is sponsored by our friends over at Blue Apron. Blue Apron's got a great offer right now for Rob as a podcast listeners. Blue Apron is treating our listeners to $30 off their first order when you visit blueapron.com. Blue Apron is also teaming with Whole30 for the next eight weeks to bring you delicious recipes. Their menu will feature two Whole30 approved recipes each week like seared steaks with warm lemon salsa verde and roasted broccoli and sweet potato and chicken and kale orange salad with spicy tahini dressing. Start your new year with Blue Apron and Whole30. Blue Apron night is the most exciting dinner night in my house. Because if we're not having Blue Apron, it's like, what's for dinner? Chicken. It's just it's just a, a noun. Whereas, what's for dinner? Oh, Blue Apron. You know it's going to be exciting. Nicole and I just went through the other day all of the Blue Apron options for the next couple of weeks. There's so much convenience and variety that they ship all the ingredients straight to your house and they offer you 12 new recipes each week. Customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what fits your schedule and they're all high quality ingredients. Blue Apron is only going to send you non-GMO ingredients unlike all of that junk that Joey Chestnut is eating. He doesn't even care. That's not what Blue Apron's all about. Meat with no added hormones. And then you're going to get rid of all these same old, same old dinners. Dinner is finally going to be special when you sit down with your family for Blue Apron. Again, Blue Apron's got this great offer. $30 off your first order when you visit blueapron.com slash Rob. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash Rob. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Coming live from my apartment, it's Rob has a podcast. And now here's the guy who hopefully smells better than a Moroccan fish market. I am Rob Cisnino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Amazing Race 30 Recap, episode number three, all about Morocco, non-elimination leg. And that was good news for Team NBA, Cedric and Sean, because uh, Cedric nearly had another heart attack tonight. Uh, really uh, a grueling leg for Team NBA, but it is never grueling when we get to talk to these two, our ace amazing race team here with us once again tonight. First, a woman who would never stop and pick up a feral cat, Jessica Lees. Jessica, how are you? Um, I think I'm ready to Moroccan and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and a man with even more dad jokes than Eric and Daniel. Uh, give it up for Mike Bloom. I don't know. Jess might have beaten me with that uh, dad in. joke right there. Beat me to the punch. And by the way, uh, Rob, thank you so much for writing my notes on your belly so I'd be able to read them clearly for this podcast. If you could just like stop shaking around for a little bit, I'd be able to read them a lot clearer. Well, but so alluring, Rob. Yeah. Oh, was I supposed to be looking at at everybody's bellies and stuff? I was just dancing. I thought we just had to dance. No, 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 no. That it was you just go and watch belly dancing. It used to be. What, what, do, you, what do you think this is? The Amazing Race, where you used to have to actually learn how to do a dance to get through a task. No, you just go and watch people dance. Nothing speaks to the most competitive group of racers ever than purely spectating. It's the most competitive race of all time. We are going to have contestants that are going to watch people dance and look for a word across the naked stomach of some belly dancers. This is going to be uh, scintillating. Right after you watch an inanimate object go down a zip line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, here we are. Uh, that how's everybody doing? You guys good? Good. Yes. Okay. Well, non-elimination leg, and that actually works out well. I had already, I, I uh, got a hold of CBS. I said, "Hey, look, I'm not going to be able to do the Amazing Race exit interview this week. Regrettably, that is at the same time that I have booked my Survivor postseason interview with Chrissy Hoffbeck, which is coming." And I said, I'm very sad, but I said that this was the time she can do it. And I cannot do the Amazing Race exit interview. And lo and behold, it was a non-elimination leg, which uh, saves uh, any sort of uh, disappointment that we weren't going to have an Amazing Race exit interview 
this week. So uh, just that is cleared up so that we were fortuitous in that way. But I really thought I said, oh, well, you know, we got all these double episodes coming up. I bet what they probably did if they were really on the ball with these two hour episodes, if if they stacked these where the non elimination leg was in the first hour of these two hour episodes, boy, wouldn't that be a great way to do the non elimination legs, Jess? I think that would be very fun, but it would also feel kind of it would feel kind of spoily, wouldn't it? That what that I mean, if the the first hour was non elimination, I mean, who cares? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that happen before. I think we definitely saw yeah. it happen in season 26. Mm-hmm. They had a two-hour episode, and it ended up being basically like one really giant long leg. And I don't mind it every so often, but I think you can't tie it up in a bow that neatly, or we just kind of assume that, oh, we see a double episode coming up. That must mean they only eliminate one team. And remember, Rob, even last season, the, the episode that you and I covered – we had a team eliminated, but they swapped your preferential order. We started with an elimination leg and then did a sort of non-elimination to be continued afterwards. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Well, I don't. Again, I don't think they meant to necessarily do that. I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, what you produce and then what a certain network might come to you and say, okay, you have this many hours. So we'll see. You know, it looks like we have a jam-packed couple of hours ahead. The placement of this was interesting because I feel like in Amazing Race U.S. Outside of leg one, because we've had a couple of times where they've had a non-elimination leg on the first leg, uh, I believe season 19 might have mm-hmm. had one. Uh, I believe season 15 might have had one because they had the the, the starting line uh, elimination right there right then. But I can't really think, Jess, of like between legs two and four, any elimination leg stuck in there. So this feels, by U.S. standards, pretty early. Yeah, certainly by U.S. standards. I know Amazing Race Canada has very recently had some early non-elimination legs, but I think I think the race just tries to plan them in a way that keeps us on their toes. And they certainly, this show of all shows, can't count on having particular time slot allotments mm-hmm. at any point. Yeah. So they pretty much plan it to be an overall satisfying narrative arc. And then wherever they get stuck, and by next season, that's going to be like 4 (laughs) a.m. on a Thursday. Yes, the ratings are so strong. They're not going to mess with it. Oh, they've messed with it when the ratings were this strong before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that they are not going to screw it up this time, that they are going to keep the amazing race, I'm sure, in another great time slot moving forward. But we will worry about that in the Amazing Race 31, which is not officially a thing. But you have to feel like that the odds are pretty strong at this point. But let's get into uh, this leg of the race in Morocco, this non-elimination leg. And uh, we ended up seeing uh, really it was a uh, up and down race for Cedric and Sean, who just they were leading the pack at one point and then fell all the way to ninth place. Yeah, there was a point where I have in my notes, Cedric is crushing this. And then immediately after I type Cedric is crushing this, Cedric totally ceases crushing it. Mm-hmm. He, he gets crushed by his backpack, essentially. Yeah. Why did he do that? That's one of the singular dumbest things I've ever seen on this show. Why would you run a roadblock while carrying your backpack? Mm-hmm. I mean, people train for the race by running on a treadmill with the backpack on. Mm-hmm. But any time that you don't have to have that thing on, you shouldn't have it on. Did he feel like there were essential supplies within said backpack that he might need to tuck into as he was navigating the streets of Morocco? Like um, heart pills? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his nitroglycerin was in the bag. <laughs> I mean, that was a real bombshell in terms of that Cedric revealing that, uh, you know, he's already had three heart attacks and he's a pretty young man. And I mean, I bet I'm surprised that he is out there running the amazing race. And I mean, maybe they thought this task wasn't going to be that physical, but maybe this is one that Sean could have handled. Yeah, this task was not that physical. Mm <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, it was physical in a different way. I think they thought, oh, the the most physical thing we're going to have to do is ride a zip line down. And so when they found out that, no, you're going to be doing all the legwork while your gnome friend flies high in the sky, that's when things got a little more physical. So in terms of the leg design of this race, Jess, what did you think about how this was all set up? I mean, it was pretty neck and neck for most of the race. Yeah, and you, you always kind of feel like when everything is that close together, you do sort of get the feeling that 
they want it to be close and there's not going to be a lot of room for error there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm thinking back specifically to like some of the China legs in um, Amazing Race 24 that just felt like they were completely out of money and they were just doing whatever they could. And I think sometimes that feels a little bit cheap, but also it was exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. We had teams doing really, really well really early on and we had teams screwing up badly. Like you had Team Extreme just about – entirely out of the running when they get to the fish task finally Mm -hmm. and then they were able to make up so much time i was really impressed it was a really nice uh bounce back episode for christy and jen they sort of had like the reverse cedric and sean where it looked like that they were being painted to potentially be the team that was going to be completely out of it mike and then they came back i think they came in what third place yeah, Team ABN, the reverse NBAs. Uh, yeah, they, it's interesting. They say it was a bounce back week for them because they started the leg in third place and they ended the leg in third place. Mm-hmm. It was literally a bounce. They went down and then they went back up. But to Jess's point, I mean, that this is also sort of what I watch The Amazing Race for. Again, I'm not someone who's inherently interested in the necessarily the travel aspect or the cultural aspect of what's going on. I just want to see for lack of a better term, some competition. So here's hoping that season 30 really brings it to that moniker. What I will say in terms of the leg design is that I really, really liked the roadblock. I didn't mind that we spent the lion's share of the episode on it just because it's it's very, very rare, especially nowadays on Amazing Race, where we get roadblocks where one team member is really separated from the other one for such a long amount of time. The first one that really comes to mind for me was there was a task in Amazing Race 2 in Australia where, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jess, uh, one team member had to what like run around an Australian town basically trying to get people to translate a bunch of different Australian sayings and like they couldn't get help from their teammate. They couldn't do anything. And I like this idea of like really keeping these teammates separated and really having it sort of fall onto one person. You get these storylines with Alex and Connor and Cedric and Sean throughout. I have a couple of qualms with the detour that we'll get to, but I, I enjoyed the majority of what was going on in this leg, especially as you guys were mentioning, just the complete back and forth that was going on between all these teams before the detour happened. Well, let's talk about the detour, because I, I mean, I feel like that there was such a disparity in the level of difficulty between the two tasks on the detour, Jess. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It really felt like they were trying to get everybody to do the spectacle task where, you know, you got to watch the culture and there was kind of a show going on. And I don't think they really cared what you were doing um, in terms of, you know, are you knocking out a, a hard physical task? But are you in the middle of something that is culturally interesting and could you potentially be dancing and having a moment and that's the one they wanted everybody to do and i think most people took the bait Mm -hmm. yeah except for the poor souls that decided to lug the groceries around morocco mike why would you do that? Uh, first of all, uh, the, the Moroccan, no offense to the Moroccans if this truly is their method of transporting food, but to essentially be dragging your groceries around on a shopping cart without wheels a sounds sled. like the most, inefe- yeah, the most, inef- by sledge, yeah, is the most inefficient way of transporting, what was it, squash and chickens and, uh, po- potatoes or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, who would think, okay, so we just spent about three hours running around Morocco. You know what would go great with this? Running around Morocco some more, except running up San Francisco-esque hills, dragging about 50 pounds of dead weight behind us. It's just... I, I, you know, we talked about this last week a little bit between, you know, the, the print... Uh, the, the printing press and the diamond making, but it was even more here... All, I think it was all six teams that did uh, the the dancing task or the watch the dancers task all finished mm-hmm. ahead of the other three who did the other side of the task. No matter what placement they got there, Joey and Tim were like second to last leaving the roadblock. They thought they and were they eliminated. Passed, <laughs> yeah, and they passed all the other teams. Uh, all, they passed the firefighters who left like second. It just shows that that's that's my you know main qualm with it is you know a detour back in the day was marketed as. Two different tasks, each with its own pros and cons. Uh, here, one had much more cons weighed in their favor than the pros. Yeah. Jess, when will Morocco get wheels? Well, Morocco has wheels in other places. I mean, we saw season 25. Just about everything they did was in a thing on wheels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got taxi cabs. They spun their heads around, if that counts as like a wheel life motion. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So yeah, they do and have then, the, them. then the karmic wheel came for some people and... 
All right. Well, I guess let's talk through some of these tasks from this episode. And uh, the first stop in Morocco was to head to uh, this fish market. Uh, Mike, it was a uh, a funky cold Medina. Wondered which one of you was going to go there first. <laughs> do you even know, do you know that song, Mike? No, I, I thought it was a euphemism for something. <laughs> well, it is, but it's also a song. Um, Mike I'm was not born yet that. when this came out. Oh, Tone Loke. Yes. yes, I remember him. I remember him from the movie Surf Ninjas, and he did a voice in Fern Gully. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Fern Gully. Better than zero chance that we are talking about Tone Loke in about three weeks on CBS leading into uh, The Amazing Race. <laughs> yes. Setting up the good tone for TAR 30 is Tone Loke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Low rider ratings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jess, uh, nothing probably more exciting TV than stacking dead fish, right? Um, you know, just ask Will Sims. The, yeah. you know, you can have- probably won't. <laughs> Hey, you uh, yeah. know what? If they if, if they if they had sang "Rock the Casbah" at karaoke at a gas station, this would be right up Will's alley. Yeah. Uh, if only that there was an amazing race wand off that maybe uh, that who knows how many different versions of "Rock the Casbah" we would get this week. From your mouth to God's ears. I don't know what the reception would be like. We'd have to read the comments on the Facebook group to see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly uh, how it would go. But, uh, yeah, we had to get through, uh, you know, stacking all of the fish. Uh, nobody was having fun with all of these uh, fish, except for Jess, who uh, enjoyed being around these uh, feral kittens that were there, Mike. Yeah, I mean, we, we got a hunch of this, right? Wasn't it her that was uh, gallivant- or flaunting the cat ears around the Big Brother house several months ago? So clearly she has a type. Yeah. Yeah, this is a question from Mike Christensen. What's more likely, just hid the cat ears or just had a kitten in her bag and took it with her? Do we think that's allowed, Jess? Uh, are, we, are we allowed to, like, you know, uh, I don't know what would happen if they got to the airport with an animal in their bag, but are they allowed to sort of bogart natural uh, fauna and put them in for future usage? I really want to see the secret scene where Jess and Cody have taken a cat with them, and now all of their luggage is infested with fleas. <laughs> and cat hair. <laughs> I would just like to see them get to the mat. Okay, Justin Cody, you are team number five. I see that you have brought a pet with you. Who is this? Like, oh, his, he is uh, Mr. Whiskers. Like, okay. And what are you, are you taking him with you? Like, yes, he's going to run the race. Cody, what do you think of that? Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Not my cat. Hey, wait, hey, you know what, Rob? We we made a little bit of, you know, I didn't think we'd get any sort of further Cody characterization in the time that we've seen him on Big Brother and the Amazing Race. But, Rob, this might be a first. We saw a picture of Cody actually smiling during the course of this episode. Yes. Not only. That was a smile? <laughs> yeah. Grimacing. And Cody was actually, he spoke more Arabic than he did English, I think, in all of Big Brother 19. Who knew? <laughs> yes. Uh, Cody could be a great instructor, but yeah, the, the language barrier is was really interesting as well because we really had a true like Rosetta Stone array of languages being used between the Arabic from Jody, we got the Spanish from Brittany, we got some French from Team Extreme, uh, and then of course everyone else just we had uh, some sign language from from Team Extreme as well with them miming the fish faces and they tried in futility to get down to that port. Following the trip to the fish market. Teams needed to head into, uh, Jess, what would you describe this? Some sort of like a Moroccan marketplace? Yeah, I think they they think they referred to it as a souk. And so they had to go and find one particular man there who had the roaming gnome. And they had to tell him, Alam Alekum. Did I say that right, Jess? Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. And so. Yeah, there, there were no llamas. Yes. Nobody was talking llama either. Even uh, no feral llamas along the way. Yeah, Rob, I'm pretty sure you were quoting a pretty fly for a, for a rabbi or white guy there in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Did that song come out before you were born, Mike? I listened to the Weird Al version first. So that's, that was my inroad in Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, so you had to find this guy uh, that it seemed like that Team Chomp had uh, the most difficulty, Jess, trying to uh, track down the roaming gnome. 
Yeah, well, this was some kind of awkward sauce. Like they go to the right place and they look around. They don't see it. They go back out. They walk around some more. They come back in. They don't understand if they're supposed to pick the gnome up or if the guy's supposed to give it to them. This was just like it was it was painful. It was like watching a sixth grader try to find their locker. Mm -hmm. Were Joey and Tim just too distracted by the thought of eating all those dead fish, Jess? Uh, Maybe they ate a couple of dead fish (laughs) and we didn't see it. Dead fish, better or worse than Brennevin. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's that's a rough one <laughs> well i think that most of the fish we eat are dead fish that's true they, they kept talking about uh that's uh, hopefully but they kept talking about like how they'll never eat sushi after that so yeah i guess i, I don't i mean i don't know uh maybe it's comparable more to like fafaru considering it was sitting out in the sun for quite some time yeah i don't know exactly what was going on there yeah, nobody was having a good time uh with with that task so they teams needed to rock the Casbah after this, Jess, and this involved getting to one of these rooftops where you can almost, uh, you know, uh, envision yourself in Aladdin running from a rooftop to rooftop. Phil was talking about Jason Bourne. I guess he did that also. You had to uh, send your gnome across the zip line across uh, all these roofs uh, and. You had to uh, ultimately get through two zip lines on this uh, roadblock. Yeah, this is not the first time in Amazing Race history that they have had a task that sounds like it's going to be a super thrilling adrenaline task for somebody. And then it turns out to be a super thrilling adrenaline task for the gnome. (laughs) Can, can, Can we talk about the gnome's new outfit, by the way? Sure. That's styling. Absolutely. Give me give me like Lawrence of Arabia realness. I'm loving it. Like the the pseudo fez going on with the velour and the little little coin pouch that ends up being utilized later on. Like I'm all for this new look. I complain bitterly on Twitter every time the roaming gnome shows up on Amazing Race and Travelocity is no longer live tweeting Amazing Race as the roaming gnome. Mm-hmm. And this week, I feel like particularly this is missed. What would it live tweet? We this week? Is that what, is that what made the majority of the tweets would be? Well, it'd be check out my awesome outfit. Well, he's a bit of a bragger, the uh, roaming gnome. He's also a shameless flirt. Mm, wow. That's that, that, again. That's over. It's over. Time's up, gnome. Time is up. <laughs> oh, I miss the gnome. I thought we had something special. <laughs> well, it sounds like you weren't the only one, Jazz. Clearly not. <laughs> He's got gnomes in other area combs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> so the teams are going around on the uh, the zip line. And you look, it's this is one of those things everybody's running around. Very hard to tell who is uh, ahead of whom. Jess, uh, did you enjoy watching the teams uh, run around trying to find the place for their gnomes to zip line? Well, I thought it was interesting the different approaches people took. Um, I thought, you know, it's always fun when you see teams forging alliances and figuring out that it's advantageous to work together. So then you had like a whole little pack of people running around in a cluster trying to figure out what was going on. And then everybody getting it wrong and Cedric passing them and then Cedric failing. And I thought I thought it made for some interesting TV, at least. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I, I enjoyed the fact that, again, I think this led to a lot of variance just because, I mean, the the streets seem so labyrinthian that you really could run into a dead end and then everyone has to turn around. And like Jess said, the literal rise and fall of Cedric, I also loved uh, the, the little... Just to like add insult to injury, the very last thing they would put at the end of like you just ran through all these streets, you ran up all these stairs to get to a rooftop, and then you have to run over like the amazing Ring version of the warped wall from American Ninja Warrior <laughs> to, to get to the gnome. And like poor Cedric, literally like Jeff Probst's narration, like throwing himself over the wall, uh, like all you know two hundred something pounds of him. I felt so bad for him at that moment. Teams needed to get through their second zip line and then they had to head to a payphone. And then it turned out that there was a coin inside of some sort of a coin purse that the roaming gnome was wearing. Jess, I did not like that the person you had to say the phrase to was right there. I, I feel like that the Amazing Race has done this in a lot more of an exciting fashion where it's like, okay, somebody said something to you on the phone and then you have to like run a mile and then say back what the phrase was on the phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking specifically uh, the season 23 finale, I think, had a task like that or 
Maybe the penultimate episode, they were in Japan, I think. I feel like Jenna and Ethan had something like this, too, in uh, Amazing yeah. Race 19. Yeah, I think they did. And it is a lot more exciting. Like, if you had to find someone else, like, obviously, people were pretty exhausted by that point, And this might be a, a bridge too far. But I agree with you. I was surprised that it was just like, yeah, that guy that's standing right in front of you that you can see right there, you know, you got to tell him your secret phrase, which is not that much of a secret phrase. And also, yeah. <laughs> oh, they added the added challenge of there are two phones and one of them doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, that, I, I don't even know if they like if that was supposed to be on purpose or if it's just because pay phones are so outdated. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I loved this like Flintstones phone esque type of thing. of <laughs> The coin that it just says, good morning. And like, what if someone thought you were supposed to like have a conversation with the person on the phone? And for all the phrases that like the secret phrase you're supposed to tell someone, "Good morning" is extremely innocuous. Yeah, you might have said it by accident. But you know, th- for the game of telephone to work, it's not just like somebody is telling you something and then you just uh, have the person right there to pass it along. You know, th- there needs to be some sort of obstacle or you know multiple people you tell the to your partner where this can get screwed up i mean this was like like uh such a non-challenge i mean you say that but then how many of them also got lost trying to find their partner again yeah well they should have had to then find the partner and then have them tell the phrase that pays back to the guy who (laughs) you know that that would have been something yeah then you wouldn't have had to pay for that poor like Tele, tele boutique owner to have to sit there all day and listen to people keep telling him good morning, even though it's like three in the afternoon at that point. Yeah. Hey, he's got lots of other things to do. He runs a busy tele boutique. <laughs> all right. So the teams are going to be running around, and obviously, uh, Cedric is going to be struggling. Uh, Just can you talk through what happened when Cedric ran past where Sean was? Was Were Sean and Cedric sort of snake bit from a couple of weeks ago when? They ended up sort of having Sean or or Cedric say something that helped out Sean and Sean wasn't able to flag down Cedric. Well, why do I need to talk you through it? I think you just talked yourself through it. That's exactly what was going on. Would that have been a penalty if you would have said, hey, I'm over here? It doesn't seem like it because I think other I think other teammates did that. Mm -hmm. But I could understand if you're Cedric and Sean and you're a little bit shook by that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, And let's also realize that, you know. Sean was, they remember they had to go back into this little, like, it wasn't even in the square. This was like an enclosure within the square. And yes, there was sort of like a nice turquoise around the walls. But if you're listening for someone shouting in this crowded marketplace in an alley that's kind of tucked away, I could imagine that even if they were shouting, you'd, you'd be, you'd pass it by a couple times. Okay. So teams had to head to the detour to drop it off or shake it off. Jess, uh, were all of the young people excited to have uh, Taylor Swift references make The Amazing Race? Well, I I think, I don't know, they didn't show the whole clue, but I bet the whole clue was written in like the same meter as the Taylor Swift song, (laughs) just in keeping with the theme. I mean, it was a Taylor Swift week, though, between, you know, going to the phone and saying that, you know, uh, Taylor can't come to the phone right now. She's dead. I'm assuming that was the actual (laughs) phrase instead of good morning. So (laughs) it was it was it was an an underlying theme. But us millennials, we're on the ball with that. What a week this would have been for the amazing race wand off between shake it off. And then uh, people could have gotten into the payphone parody. And then uh, between er er everything else going on this week, uh, rock the casbah. Uh, this really would have been mm-hmm. a stellar week for the Amazing Race wand off. Yeah, somebody should have done. Um, somebody should have done the Lady Gaga Beyonce telephone. Um, uh, so so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> this week's detour is drop it off, shake it off, or wand it off. I, I, Rob, are you just trying to get people to send unsolicited <laughs> wand offs now? <laughs> No, because I got to call my friends in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I've, I know. I know some Germans. Let's talk through this shake it off task, because I I, re- I don't even get how this was a thing where like, let alone like the other task was so much harder. Jess, I mean, what was the you go in this room where there are these belly dancers, were they just thinking like people would be so distracted by the belly dancers they wouldn't think 
to look around the room for words. I mean, this is like something that you would like if you, this was in like an escape room, you would say, well, that was a little obvious that it was just like, oh, the three words that happened to be in weird places. That's what we needed to find. Yeah, that, it was a little bit easy, but I did note that there's actually one of the fundamental rules of amazing racing that we pounded to people would have steered people wrong this week. And we heard some people say it. We heard the firefighters say, we're going to pick drop it off because it seems way more straightforward. And it's just a physical task. We can knock it off and get it out of the way rather than having to solve a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And in this case, there wasn't much of a puzzle to solve. So people that chose the puzzle were rewarded. Okay, Jess, do you have an addendum to the detour rules? (laughs) Yeah, my addendum to the detour rules is... If your season appears to be on a very tight budget, go ahead and do the puzzle solving task because they're probably not going to want to keep you around the rented space for very long. <laughs> Perfect. That's so meta. I love it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Mike, luckily, uh, none of the teams ended up becoming uh, too distracted. If anything, it would seem like that, uh, that Joey and Tim's problem was they wouldn't look at the uh, belly dancer. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, these guys, their heads seemed like an entirely different space the entire time. Maybe their heads were still back in Belgium thinking about all those frites they could eat, the frozen packs that they had to haul around. Because, uh, yeah, this was not a good uh, episode for them direction-wise. But considering, again, that they came in sixth place and still beat three other teams, it just shows how easy and straightforward uh, this dance-it-off or shake-it-off task was above the drag-it-off or whatever it was. Okay. Uh, now, before we get too far down the detour rabbit hole, I think that it's important that we talk about Gnome Gate 2018. Ugh. Jess and boy, uh, they hype this up in the coming attractions. Next time on The Amazing Race, Jessica is going to pull off reality TV's most dastardly move of 2018 (laughs) when Brittany would say, hey, hold my gnome. And then she left without it. And then Jessica just left it there. This was the second most anticlimactic previews versus actual (laughs) reality TV events that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) The first being in the first season of Survivor. Yes. The episode right after the merge episode, the previews for that episode said, next time on Survivor, a castaway that's been voted out of the game will come back. And they zoom in on Greg. And it turns out he came back because he was the first member of the jury. Mm -hmm. And they could do that once and they got away with it. This was the second most, like, I thought there was, like, no stealing going on. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you didn't didn't watch Australian Survivor, Jess. You don't know anything about Sue's big move. That will be known (laughs) legendary for days. (laughs) It's true. I did not watch Australian Survivor. Yes. Uh, Mike, do you recall one time in the previews, I think it was during Survivor Nicaragua, where Jeff Probst, like in the previews for the next episode is like, okay, and then uh, whoever doesn't uh, win this challenge, we will execute you. We'll be execute them. Yeah, I I think I think it was it might have been South Pacific or Nicaragua. Yeah, it was just like and then then in the actual show, it was just kidding at the end of it. So I, I, I don't know why the actual stakes were like, oh, we might kill someone this time. Like, just just see what happens. That's a. That's a little bit, you know, this is a little bit tamer than that. But still, you know, Amazing Race, I feel like they're the toughest thing that they can all that they try to do is really to to get like drama flaring up between these contestants. I guess this is a way to do it. And you even saw this in the episode where Brittany was like, I can't believe Jessica did this. And two seconds later, uh, she probably didn't mean it. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I know this was I really thought this was gonna be some juice out of this. And it was just like it was one of these things, and this is classic Amazing Race of big problem going into the commercial break and within five seconds of being back from the commercial break, then problem is solved. It's like, you know, you go to commercial break, like, uh, where are my car keys? I can't, if I, I'm going to miss work, I'll be fired and we're going to lose our house. This is going to be terrible. We'll be out on the street. And it's like, come back from commercial. Oh, here they are. Found them. Can you edit the rap episodes like that from now on? <laughs> like climactic music, go to commercial, and then come back. Oh, Why can't okay. I download oh. Skype? Yeah. Oh, so we fixed the problem. So that was, whew, yeah. that was close. So 
Well, they should have had a trailer where they show like Cedric running around and panting and saying, oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. And then have the voiceover. I've had three heart attacks. (laughs) Yeah. And then then ominously edit in a siren noise in the background. (laughs) Yeah. Please, please. No. And and a doctor saying, Claire, we've lost him. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, the teams are going to be going through and uh, nobody has any difficulty uh, with anything going on with belly dancing, except for Joey and Tim have a little bit of a hiccup. And it's more in their head than anything else that they think they're going to be in last place. And uh, the teams that went to belly dancing just all start uh, running into Phil at the mat. Uh, It turns out that Henry and Evan are back after a uh, rough week last week. They are your first place team, Jess. They go from practically last up to first. And that is that is a feat of redemption we have not seen since the Cowboys. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And and we got we got a lot of that talk about that. I mean, I, I know we don't like to talk too too much about the winners at it when it comes to Amazing Race, but you know we got a lot from Henry and Evan this episode about how you know we're not physical, but we're brainy, and we are the complete package. We're very detail oriented, and you know I think it was really foreshadowing this win here. And I feel like you know they they are on a good course to cruise pretty well. They have their one bad leg. As long as we're gonna face a head to head next time, apparently, as long as it doesn't involve one. Again, hauling around things on a careening dolly. I think they should be doing pretty well. I don't know, Jess, would you say stronger winner edit for Henry and Evan or Christy and Jen? Yeah, I was going to say Christy and Jen got a pretty good winner's edit. Boy, they they really want you to know that they are there have only been three all female teams that have won the Amazing Race. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good winner's edit quote, too. So I wouldn't count them out either. Yeah, I think they're neck and neck. Didn't uh, the Mitch Fitz and not the person who was on the uh, the <laughs> Love It Alls Love with you, Rob, yeah. this week? D- yeah, didn't didn't they also say that they wanted to be the the, for the female female team in the first episode? I so that maybe Christy and Jen. Well, Christy and Jen to... also said it. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe they're yeah they're really uh, hinting towards. It. I'm trying to remember they did the same thing in season 17 too, didn't they, Jess? Just because it was the first time it ever happened, but it seemed like that was all of Nat and Kat's basic narrative the entire time. Yeah, and it was kind of Brooke and Claire's too, if you really want to get real. <laughs> yeah, besides besides Al, my face that watermelon hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, but for Henry and Evan, I mean, what a great week that they come in first place on The Amazing Race, and that's not all. They actually (laughs) won a prize that uh, is really exciting. Uh, Here's Phil to tell them about their prize. You have won a trip for two from Travelocity, and you are going to Zurich, Switzerland. Whoa! You're going to spend five nights in a deluxe room at the Dalder Grand, including breakfast daily, a massage for two at the Grand Spa, and an afternoon of mini golf. I hope you guys like mini golf. (laughs) Whoa! Uh, how do how do they play mini golf in Switzerland? Do they not score it so everyone's neutral? <laughs> Just oh, daily dear. breakfast, a massage for two, and <laughs> mini golf. It's an embarrassment of riches. Like usually, they only tack mini golf onto the prize when it's the price is right. They're trying to trip you up on figuring out how much it costs. <laughs> We didn't have the budget for you to play a whole 18 holes of golf. So we're sending you to Switzerland to play mini golf. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they get like a guided tour or like ski passes or something. But nope, here you're going to get to play mini golf. You're also you'll be on your own for lunch and dinner. Also, there are blackout dates. You get you get comped like ten dollars per meal, so make sure you spend that wisely. Uh, no alcohol, you can add to the tab though. I love it though that that like their prize that they win for for a leg of the Amazing Race is something that like you play with your family when you go on a beach trip to Rhode Island in the summer when you were in like seventh the prize grade. Is what you get for free if you get a hole in one at a game of mini golf. <laughs> 
What, what if you scored a hole-in-one on the mini-golf course and say, congratulations, you just earned a spot on the next season of The Amazing Race, and the cycle just continues? What if these two companies have bought into each other to just keep the cycle going? That would be great. What if it's Amazing Race-themed mini-golf? Oh, that would be you know sort of like Ooh. around the world, like an overboard that you could go to all the different courses around the world. That would, that would be a lot more uh, efficient than going on The Amazing Race, Jess. Well, sure. I mean, that's actually what they're going to do next season when they're totally out of money. <laughs> Instead of it being like they're going to go around on a race around the world, they're just going to go on a race around a mini golf course. Yeah. Uh, on this detour, teams will have to head to the third hole to get the chance to knock the ball into the Eiffel Tower. Or they could go to the fifth hole and then see if they could get the ball around the Sphinx in less than three strokes. <laughs> It, it makes for a new. It makes for a whole new definition of five hole. Yes, I was going to say the the Egyptologists really have a five hole on the fifth hole there. If what you're saying is accurate, yes. um, it's again, it's not even all the mini golf you want to play. You, it's one round of the mini golf. <laughs> a massage for two at the Grand Spa and an afternoon of mini golf. I hope you guys like mini golf. Oh well, no! It's an a afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they so they can they can go around the loop as many times as they want to, Rob. <laughs> really, it's like all oh, it's five p.m. Yeah, all you can play essentially, but you can only play the eighteen holes that are provided to you. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget about the daily breakfast. Yeah. Phil really hopes they like mini golf because uh, if they didn't, it would have been very awkward on the mat. Oh, uh, and we and we didn't get unfortunately this week. Maybe it's because there was no uh, Miss Morocco next to Phil, but we did not get Phil talking, trying to get the racers uh, impressing the the greeter this no, week. No, Miss Morocco was too busy belly dancing on the detour. Well, he did talk <laughs> some smack to the IndyCar guys. Yeah, <laughs> what what did he say to Alex and Connor? Just he was he was kidding them about coming in second place. Mm-hmm. But this is embarrassing for you, as uh, you guys are used to this, huh? Maybe not so much for you, Connor. You're kind of used yeah. to it. <laughs> Especially you, Connor, you loser. You loser that sleeps on a couch. I bet you love mini golf, too. <laughs> <laughs> Though Connor, had, Connor had, had, had a pretty good week here, too. It started off badly when, you know, Alex was sort of being the type A personality and trying to uh, sort the fish, and Connor seemed pretty useless. But Connor was able to, they left the fish in last place, but Connor basically caught them up when he happened to run into the teams during the roadblock. Yeah, Connor had a really good week, and I was I was actually kind of thinking across the board, the people we were complaining about kind of being the duds and having no personality, we got some really great moments from all of them. Like, we we heard from Connor, we heard from Jen, who was kind of the weak link on that team. Um, Cedric had a off-the-charts week as far as character moments, and the firefighters yeah, the who are both chart. The, Yes. And the firefighters who are both of the weak link on their teams, <laughs> they were both very funny. So uh, once we got our first six teams in, uh, actually, with uh, I want to talk about Joey and Tim. It almost seems like that they were setting up some sort of a narrative that Joey or Tim might quit the Amazing Race. Jess, were you picking up on any of that? Um, it sure seemed like Joey's heart, in particular, was not in it. <laughs> well, yeah, they they, they had the, they had this weird like Phil filled. Oh God! I didn't even mean to make a pun out of his uh-huh. that because because he because he put so many puns into that previously on between uh, what was it like Joe Belgium took a bite out of Joey mm-hmm. and the Team NBA rebounded Jody brought it to the house which that that's not a phrase Phil by the way uh, and like <laughs> like so term. Just, well br- no, I'm talking Is about it? brought it. But but Jody is not the basketball team. They just happen to come from a house, a studio set where they were living for three months. Sure. That's the literally the only interesting thing about them. Yeah. So cut fill some slack. Yeah. Considering that, uh, yeah, Jessica. Well, how many times have, do we get a counter yet of how many times Jessica said, like, as someone from Big Brother or while we were on Big Brother? Mm-hmm. I would also cut them some slack on that because the producers yeah. are clearly making them do that. Yeah. So being somebody from Big Brother, how does it feel to be three legs into the amazing race? You know, that's the type of questions that they get asked. So we'll cut them. And make sure you answer with as someone from Big Brother. Yeah. It reminds me of like rudimentary improv scenes when you're like, "Uh, as your proctologist, I need to warn you. (laughs) Like you're really setting up these like given circumstances at the top of the scenes. Mm -hmm. Your scene partner gets hit. Now, Mike. Jess had a message for the haters who said, hey, don't you think you should know this guy before you go out there? And don't you think you should be out there in the real world where it doesn't get more real than this? 
It, it, it really does, though. <laughs> we are. They're out in the world. They're seeing it, and everything is still great. So take that, Jody haters. I think it does get more real than that, though. <laughs> no. Nope, nothing more real than soaring fish in the Moroccan sun and pushing a gnome on a zip line. That is the most real experience you could ever get. Yes, yes. Only The only more real experience is an afternoon of mini golf in the beautiful Zurich, Switzerland. Okay, Jess? <laughs> okay, I've been told. Yes. Okay. So we then had our final three teams. Again, uh, coincidentally, all the teams that went to the market dragging the sled around. Uh, Beach Rescue, the Firefighters, and the NBA team. And uh, they were really neck and neck. It was shaping up to be uh, looking like it could have been any of them that were eliminated. Ultimately, it was going to be uh, Cedric and Sean, who ended up coming in last, luckily not eliminated uh, for them. Jess, did you get a sense that it was going to be Cedric and Sean? Because I was just saying uh, they didn't really show us a lot of story on the other two teams. Yeah, it, it really felt to me like that was what we were headed. They were underserved because- other than Brittany. Not yeah. her gnome. Well, I was going to say that's that's the story, though, if you're looking for it. I do agree about the firefighters, but I would feel like I, I feel like it could have made sense in a possible sphere of ocean rescue or as the firefighters called them, Team Beach Ocean for some ocean. reason. Right. Uh, uh, they uh, that they would come in last. And it's like, oh, they blame it on the fact that because Brittany left her gnome behind, she had to leave her very, very nice Spanish speaking guardians behind to run back and get it. And that's what cost them the race. Yeah, boy. Could have, what could have been, what could have been, but no, they ended up making it through and Cedric and Sean uh, will live to see another day on Maybe. the amazing race. Yes. Well, Jess, come on. It's going to be fine. Every, look, they, they need to like put it more on Sean. And I mean, we've, we've clocked in the past that the amazing race is not a safe place for old men. It is, it is no <laughs> right. TV show for old men. Right. Dave will tell you that. Oh man. Can't wait until Cedric starts calling them the Jodies. Yes. <laughs> Just did you catch in uh, the exit interview I did with the Ring Girls that they were talking about how they ran into Connor from the Amazing Race at the airport uh, on the first leg? Yeah, how crazy is that? And they and then they kind of thought that since they had run into a bunch of ex-racers at the starting line that maybe this was just going to be a thing throughout the race. And I thought, why isn't that a thing throughout the race? That's fabulous. No. I mean, if it costs a bit of money to like, hey, Tramel and Talisha from season three, you're flying out to Morocco and you're standing in the market to cheer them on. All right, let's get into some of the questions from the listeners of the podcast about tonight's episode of The Amazing Race. Uh, this, these come to us, uh, on Twitter and in the, uh, patron Facebook group. Uh, this is a question, uh, from, uh, Dara who wants to know why did Cody not do the gnome challenge? I think a Marine would be perfect for that. Mike, why do you feel like that? They chose Jess instead of Cody for this. Well, let's remember that the clue they got was who wants to rock the Casbah. And Cody does not seem like the one to want to be associated with the song Rock the Casbah anytime soon. I don't think he rocks the anything. Yes. <laughs> now, just do you think that they were trying to, uh, you know, uh, stack the roadblock account somewhat in uh, the you have a little bit of a deficit for Cody so that he could do a lot of the tasks later on in the race. I mean, if I was Jess and I was with Cody, I mean, I am Jess, but if I was Jess, <laughs> if you were another one, if I was some other Jess, think like, I, think like a Jess <laughs> WWJD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. that was me and I was with an ex Marine, who was very stoic and very physically fit and spoke Arabic and is probably good at many things. I would definitely, anything I thought I could do, I would do. And then let him finish out the race, like do all the rest of the roadblocks, like get mine out of the way early so that he can step up and do the crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's a question from Diane who says, did CBS drop the ball by not having the clash at the finish line singing uh, Sharif don't like it. Rock in the Casbah instead of traditional Moroccan music. Should CBS have pulled out all the stops and gotten the rights for that? Just CBS can't even afford to put people on their zip lines. (laughs) Hey, that's a lot of insurance. 
Was that not the Clash that was playing that cacophony of music at the pit stop? <laughs> no, what did they do last season, Mike, when they went to Freddie Mercury's house? Uh, well, Michael and Liz dug around in a pile of rubble, if you remember, thinking that somehow Freddie Mercury's house had gotten blown up. Uh, but they, they, I, think that, I think they just, like, I, I don't think there was even a Freddie Mercury impersonator. I think they just sort of stopped by and picked up the clue and, and left. But they, I think they were given a very, like, vague clue about where to go. But did they play any actual Queen music? No, they no. can't afford that. <laughs> Unless they got Rami Malek to come in as he was trying to get prepared for the role. They can't afford him. Uh, I think they did have like some stock photos, Jess, of Freddie Mercury. Yeah, they did. But you can get a stock photo for like 200 bucks. <laughs> um, you can also get someone to like play some piano chords that sound sort of like Queen, which I think they usually do. Mm-hmm. And I know they did that. They paid for the rights to a New Kids on the Block song for one leg of season 26. And then they got like sound alike New Kids on the Block mm-hmm. music for the rest of the race. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot uh, there was a uh, New Kid on the Block on The Amazing Race. I, I will never forget. <laughs> never forget. Okay. Uh, Adam Humphrey uh, tweeted us a question. He said, uh, they aren't really going to do a head-to-head bocce ball challenge on the next episode of The Amazing Race, are they? That's almost worse than the white and black ball challenge on Survivor. Do you think that CBS just had a bunch of extra balls lying around and have no idea what to do with them? Mike, are you pumped up for... The Amazing Race return of the head-to-head challenge where the teams will compete in bocce ball. I mean, again, this is harkening back to my summers in seventh grade, a trip to Rhode Island. It was mini golf by day and bocce ball by night. Uh, I know that Connor said he's somehow never done this before in his life. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we want to necessarily call it bocce ball, but it looks something kind of similar or maybe something like akin to marbles. But I think it's very clear. Rob, you've been covering CBS shows for nearly 10 years at this point. CBS has balls and they love balls. Yes, yes. Yes, I'm into it. I think this is going to be very exciting next week. Well, we got a lot of feedback, Rob, where everybody was saying that, oh, it's stacked. The head-to-head is stacked against really physically fit men because they're the only people that can beat people in a race. And, you know, how is that fair to anybody? Like, Why does the challenge have to be a physically demanding task? Well, guess what? Challenge is not a physically demanding task to this time, and I bet people are going to complain about that, too. You can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. I'm very excited. I think I think the best head-to-head or face-off or double battle challenges really are the ones that go outside the box a little bit. And so I'm hoping that this particular set of balls is um, well-rounded, I guess. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's, it's interesting spherical. as well because – uh, if it happens next leg, let's remember that Cedric and Sean also have a speed bump. So this could be a way for the race to say, okay, we know that Cedric and Sean are, are going to inherently be at a disadvantage because they have to compete in a speed bump. This is a way to sort of catch them up. And, you know, if they're able to, if they're assuming that they're in last, if they're able to beat this last team, it's a way for them to not just automatically fall into last place and get eliminated as a result. Okay. Yeah, I think it could be great leg design if that's what ends up happening, but who knows how they're going to stack it. I bet the speed bump happens after the face-off. Yeah. I did think that Henry and Evan seemed to be aware of the international amazing race when they talked about, well, it was a head-to-head, and it wasn't even at a roadblock or a detour. It was at the like, – I thought that was odd that they were talking about you know where it was in terms of leg design on something that's never been in the amazing race before, Jess. Yeah, I mean – I would have done my homework um, knowing that they've been monkeying with the formula a lot and putting different elements in it. And also, if you're a super fan of The Amazing Race, you know that there are versions out there that everybody says are better than the U.S. version. I, I would absolutely be watching Amazing Race Canada, and that's probably where they got it from. Mike, we have not said one word about Team Well Strong. They are, in fact, still on the Amazing Race. Uh, do you have anything to add about Team Well Strong? I think they're hilarious, uh, and it's unfortunate that we have seen so little of them. First of all, they are the most consistent team. They finished in fourth place three legs in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to, if you want to check them out, they actually Whoa. do. They, they, they did this a little bit. Well, first you can check them out because they're wearing sleeveless shirts like all the time, especially in Morocco where it was very hot. Uh, but I know that this started last season, but uh, a couple of teams are doing 
either written or video recaps of the episodes where they talk about like their stuff that's happening behind the scenes. I know that they talked a little bit about their stuff for episodes one and two on their channel. I, I don't have a direct link to it now, but they showed some of their personalities there. And I think, you know, if you watch the, the secret scenes as well, they're, they're very funny. They're very goofy. There was a, a fun scene earlier on when they were talking about like, what's the national language of Morocco? Is it French? Is it Spanish? And they decided that one would speak French and one would speak Spanish. I have no idea if that strategy actually paid off or just confused everyone more when they got to Morocco. But I could see them being like the quiet, competent team. I might make a bold prediction here. I think that the top... I'll say that the top five teams that finished in this leg are going to be our top five teams overall. It's starting to feel a bit like we're separating the wheat from the chaff just a tiny bit. And I really do feel like... Joey Chestnut would eat all that wheat in five seconds. And some of the chaff. (laughs) Peter X would take care of the chaff. uh, old Tim Chaffee. Uh, but, uh, but it seems like, you know, the, that Team Chomp, the Firefighters, Team Beach Ocean Rescue, and the NBA players. Cannon like, they all, yeah, they, they all seem like, except for Cedric and Sean finishing in the top two last week, they've all pretty much finished in like the, the six to nine place for the past few legs. And I just feel like the top five teams are all at least pretty good. Even teams like Christy and Jen, when they don't do something well, they bounce back immediately. They arrived to that fish in last place and killed it, uh, much like those fish had been killed beforehand and left the task before uh, IndyCar did. So I, I really do think that now we're starting to see a clear separation in terms of uh, in terms of quality of c- competition. Okay, so I don't think that this is that hot of a take. Jess, if there was going to be an upset and there were one of these teams from the sixth place team to the ninth place team, that would be Joey and Tim... That would be teach Team Beach Ocean. Uh, that would be uh, <laughs> Team NBA. And that would be the Twins, the Firefighters. Which of those four do you think would have the best chance to make it into the hashtag Bloom 5? Um, well, I've got a hot take for you. What? I'm going to say that Team Chomp has Dandrew upside. Andrew upside wow oh they they're the derps of the season yeah i mean they're already derping their way through the course and they managed to derp their way all the way up to sixth place and i think they could continue to like completely botch everything and get lost every episode leave their shoes in kazakhstan and still manage to make the finals if any team could do it i think they could joey and tim could and then Jess, if there was one team that would be out of the Bloom Five, who do you think it would be? Um, I I like a Jody upset. A Jody upset. No, I feel like I feel like that they're in this for the long haul. Like I I feel like that they are on that Brenshaw trajectory of I feel I don't think they'll win, but I feel like that they'll be like second or third place. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But it would be the most shocking then if they went out. Yeah, it would be shocking. It'd be shocking. There's always one team. That looks really strong. And then we get like one really shocking upset like along the way around like, you know, sixth place or so. Like I feel like the, the, there's yeah. always going to be like the one like shock elimination that happens in an amazing race season. And so, yeah, they could be it. They could be it along the way. So we'll, well see. who do you think it's going to be uh, of the the who's out of the bloom five? Uh, I would say that. uh uh, Alex and Connor, I could see them not making it in, into the Bloom 5. The Bloom 5 sounds like a horrible diet plan, by the way. I do not advocate uh, the Bloom 5. Uh, yeah, well, we also have not had a U-turn on this season left, and that's where I feel like things can get thrown out of whack, is if, you know, a bunch of teams t- come together, a la what happened with Vank and Ashton last year, and they say, okay, let's get rid of IndyCar, for example, then a team could get screwed out of the Bloom 5 pretty easily, especially when there's only, like, five, six or seven teams left. Okay. Uh, I've got another couple of questions. Uh, Dara also wanted to know, is Evan and Henry a poor man's Vank and Ashton or Vank and Ashton 2.0? Just, do you see that? Um, I see that there's a pretty blonde girl and a dorky Asian guy, but I think that's about where <laughs> they the seem to like stop. each other as opposed to Vank yes. and Ashton. <laughs> These guys will speak to each other after the race. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that like if Vank and Ashton divided themselves into horcruxes, I would say one went into Hen- Henry and Evan, and the other one went into the team goat yoga in terms of in terms of not getting along. 
Okay, uh, question from wow. the great Ari Ferrari. Uh, are there any tasks in the outside world that might strain the Jody relationship more than the Amazing Race would? What if a roadblock was who has to wash the dishes or a detour forcing you to pick whose parents visit over the holidays? Now, I have on good authority, Jess has no problem doing the dishes, okay? So I don't think that that's going to be an issue so, Jess, could you see any tasks simulating some struggle that they might have in the real world? Um, well, I think there could be something about, like, the shared phone bill or what kind of takeout hmm. are they going to order? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like uh, some sort of a challenge where it's like, who are you texting all the time? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a great roadblock. <laughs> who are you texting all the time? <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know if they've hit the low budget if it's all right teams must go through their text history and the, the detour is chinese or thai <laughs> i don't know which one do pick, you want yeah, oh. pick up dinner for your family <laughs> you said whatever was fine with me and now you're complaining <laughs> clayton wants to know how much of a crime against tv is it that this leg wasn't last season and brooke had to run the roadblock mike Oh, God, if she couldn't, if she had to uh, take a zip line into the rooftops in Morocco, her family would starve. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, the thing thing about it is I understand where Clayton's coming from, but Brooke and Scott were also, remember, like, masters of the quote-unquote social game of The Amazing Race. So she totally would have coupled up with a bunch of these other teams and they would have worked together like a bunch of teams did this leg. She would have gotten team fun to chase the gnome for her. Okay, Uh, and then uh, Phil had uh, some topical tweeting tonight. Uh, He tweeted out how uh, shot in Morocco, many consider the Academy Award winning film Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman to be the greatest film in history at visit underscore Morocco underscore hashtag Morocco. But then Phil ended up getting one upped by a Twitter user, Andrew Callett, who said, uh, it's set there, but sadly filmed entirely in the U.S., California, and Arizona. Yes, I'm being a film nerd. My apologies. Smiley face. Hashtag amazing race. And Phil responded, great. Hashtag fact check, Andrew. Got to avoid more people talking about hashtag fake news, right? Hashtag amazing race. <laughs> oh, did we, did we miss the awards tonight for the amazing race? <laughs> yes. that uh, The multiple <laughs> Emmy Award winner... Phil Kogan does not want to be a fake news award winner by talking about how uh, the <laughs> Casablanca was filmed in Morocco, filmed in the United States. Good, good thing he didn't say that in his little like preface. Like this is Morocco where Casablanca was filmed because uh, all the IMD bags would totally be after him. <laughs> <laughs> Phil would get told. All right, and uh, that's all I have for this week on the Amazing Race. Two hour Amazing Race coming up next week, uh, presumably. Two teams to be eliminated. It would be a bit of an upset if we ended up having a non-elimination leg on the second hour of that. But I guess, Jess, it is not unprecedented for there to be two non-elimination legs in three weeks or three legs. Um, I would not put my money on it, mm-hmm. but they like to surprise us, like I said. Yeah, so we will see. So it's a two-hour amazing race next week. And then I believe, Mike, we're back to a one-hour Amazing Race the following week. And then the Celebrity Big Brother kicks in, Tone Loke and uh, that whole crew. And then uh, we have uh, two-hour Amazing Races uh, for the home stretch. Right. So we get a little bit of a respite. We get a little bit of like a spoonful of sherbet before we just engorge ourselves and shove a bunch of dead fish down our throat uh, for the next three weeks. So, yeah, we'll get to try on the two hour amazing race next week and then a little bit of a uh, respite with a one hour episode. And then we'll have those two hour episodes the last two weeks. Uh, Those two hour episodes will probably end up pushing the recap to the following day because of everything going on with the celebrity big brother. But uh, that's what's coming up by a week off from Mike Bloom on the exit interview after an exciting week when he got team goat yoga really at each other's throats. Yeah, I uh, I really goaded them, if you will. Uh, and I really <laughs> did it. 
<laughs> I really didn't mean to. And a little bit of like inside baseball here. That week, I happened to have my exit interview literally right before <laughs> Rob's. And so I did not mean to do this at all. But the last question I asked, which was very innocuous, it was, what did you learn about each other? They used this opportunity to lobby insults at each other and bring to light apparently all of this like online tea that, that April had been spilling about Sarah. And so they end the conversation by arguing with each other. And, and they go... Right. Guess whose podcast they go on to right afterwards. Right. So the the times were a little screwy last week, and then we went from that to then uh, you know Mike's interview schedule was right before mine, and then I get the phone call from CBS, and the publicist was like, you know, uh, just so you know, uh, they got into a little bit of a fight in the last interview, so just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And I had known that Mike was like, oh, Bloom. And uh, Mike is texting me like, uh, oh, I may have really set them off beforehand. But they, they were pretty <laughs> civil uh, when I talked to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they were like, they were very, I think it's, they both have come to an understanding of like, when it came to that type of like, was she mean to me? Was she not? They'll agree to gr- disagree. But otherwise, like they were very, very civil to mm-hmm. each other, I think, in both of our interviews. But if you had, didn't have a chance to sample those, now you have an extra week to do so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you missed uh, any of our podcasting over on post-show recaps, uh, so uh, first off, that uh, this fine crew that you've heard here tonight, we got together and talked about Black Mirror. Uh, Jess, uh, what's the most Black Mirror thing that's happened on The Amazing Race? Um, I would say there's probably like they're messing with your memory of where your gnome was. <laughs> oh, there, there was, there was, there was one I think season twelve in Japan where they had to teach a robot how to kick a soccer ball. <laughs> that's true, and now that robot is an executive producer on the show. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we got together. We talked about all six episodes from season four of Black Mirror, and we ranked them and did a countdown of those episodes and talked about each one. That's up on PostShowRecaps.com. And Jessica and I have been talking about the ongoing saga of Michael Burnham and everybody on board, the Discovery in our weekly Star Trek Discovery recaps. Uh, Also, much like The Amazing Race, you can watch on CBS All Access. So that's your connective tissue there. There you go. And I want to see the I want to see the spin-off where there's a a season of The Amazing Race that's run entirely by Star Trek characters and their Mirror Universe counterparts. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. So you want to like pair them up so each person with a Mirror Universe person? Yeah, with their mi- Mirror Universe self. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Amazing Race Double Vision. Yes. Exactly. Very exciting. It'd be the most competitive new season of The Amazing Race. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, what's the hashtag tonight? Uh, um, Swiss mini golf. Swiss mini golf. We've got the Bloom Five. I've got Team Beach Ocean. Yeah, shopping sled. <laughs> Jess, what do you want to do? Um, let's go with Bloom Five. Bloom Five. Okay. Mike, has that been used for anything before? I oh boy, I don't even want to check. <laughs> 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 all right well uh yeah, can't wait to get back into it uh next week on our amazing race recap after the uh two-hour episode looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments actually uh, uh mike what else do you have coming up uh the usual stuff snl hamster factor a really fun podcast this week for top chef uh we had the winner of the last season of Top Chef, Brooke Ooh. Williamson, came on to talk with Haley and Kurt and I about the most recent episode. And uh, Brooke is actually going to be on this next episode as well. So it was really cool. We got to hear some insights from her about things behind the scenes and how she, what she feels about this season compared to her previous experiences. And she's also a hoot to get to talk to. So be sure to check that out. Uh, even if you're not tuned into this season of Top Chef, but you know the show, it's a really good interview. Okay. All right, uh, and Jess, uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie. Mike is a Mike Bloom type. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.